Good afternoon and happy Sabbath. My name is David Montoya, and I work with and for the Texas Conference of Seventh-day Adventists. And I bring greetings from our president, Elder Elton DeMorris, and our treasurer, uh, Randy Terry. And uh, I'm here to help coordinate uh, this morning's uh, program and this afternoon. As you know, Pastor Edwin Ledesma is uh, the candidate that we'll be processing and praying over and just bathing, as was said earlier, this whole process. So God's will will be done. So um, let me share a little bit about um, Pastor Edwin. And by the way, I don't want to miss this very important. My wife is joining me, Mary. Been married 36 years. Can you believe it? God is good. God is good. So uh, Pastor Edwin Ledesma was born in California, East Los Angeles, uh, to be exact. But he's been in Texas long enough that he considers this place home. That's a plus, right? He is passionate about teaching, discipleship, mentoring, and sharing Jesus with others. Prior to graduating with a Master's of Divinity degree with a focus on marriage and family life from Andrews University, our university there in Michigan, Berrien Springs, Michigan, he served as pastor of the Montalba uh, Palestine and Jacksonville churches here in the East Texas part of the state. He also holds a Bachelor of Arts degree in theology from Southwestern Adventist University and is a member of the Theta Alpha Kappa Honor Society. So he's also a scholar. Most importantly, he loves the Lord and is passionate about developing small groups that connect people into transforming relationships that lead to creating environments of love, compassion, and grace. In his spare time, he enjoys photography, hiking, exploring new places, and playing disc golf. How many of you all want to welcome Pastor Edwin this morning? Amen, amen. So we will leave the time for him. I was going to say good morning, everyone, but it's already 1230, so I can't say that. Um, could you guys hear me well? Yes. Mike working well? So I'm excited to be here with you all. As Elder Montoya said, I, my name is Edwin Ledesma, and I just want to thank first the Texas Conference and Elder Montoya for helping me through this process. and being with me for through every step of the way and for their support. And also I want to thank you, because without you being present here, that this doesn't happen. And so I am grateful to be here. I almost did not make it here. It's a story for a long, another time. But yesterday, I was supposed to leave South Bend, Indiana. I, I was supposed to catch a plane at 7 in the morning. I left my home around 5 a.m., and when we were all boarded up, getting ready to come to Dallas, there was a mechanical malfunction on the plane, so we all had to deplane. Needless to say, I was grateful, I was happy that that did not happen during while we were on the plane, you know, and so we were delayed, and then after I was delayed, I got here in the evening, rushed in, and just barely made it through the door to meet with the Cooper Church last night. All that to say, 
I am grateful that you are here because I believe that God is going to do something big and something marvelous in this place. So let us pray, and as we start our talk this morning, asking for God's blessing. Dear Heavenly Father, we are here among friends. We are here together because we desire to bring honor and to glorify you. And we know that you're going to do great and mighty things in this place. And we are happy that you are already here. All that we're doing, Father, is just wanting to commune with you and wanting to and desiring that presence among us. So, Lord Jesus, direct my words, direct anything that I say or do. May it all bring honor to your name. For all these things I pray in your name. Amen. Amen. So I'm going to start this morning with a story. And I'm going to tell you a little bit about my story because you guys don't know me very well. And I want to get to know you better, and I want you to get to know me. So I'm going to tell you uh, my story about how I started to know more about Jesus. Because this is going to be kind of like the opening stage. This is going to be like the premise that is going to guide us through our talk this morning, which is experiencing God. And so my story begins at a young age of 16, 17 years old. I just graduated Ozark Adventist Academy, and I was thinking of going to college. And so my parents suggested that I would go to Keene and Southwestern Adventist University. I don't know if you're familiar with that university or not, but it's 30 minutes south of Fort Worth. We have a beautiful university down there. But I had a friend, I had a buddy they, they told me, why don't you come where I am? And my naive self, my 16-year-old self, said, okay, I will go where you're going. The problem is that he was in Puerto Rico. <laughs> and so when he was in Puerto Rico, we have a nice college over there too called Antillian. And so I went down there, and it was, everything was great for the first month. I had freedom. I could do whatever I wanted. Imagine my 16, 17-year-old self. No mom, no dad, no everyone. I could just do what I wanted until a, ma- a month passed. And then I started getting homesick. And I was wishing that I was home. You know those little things at home that we take for granted? That we don't value, like eating a meal together? like gathering around the table along, uh, along with loved ones and actually having community with them. Those little things make a difference, and sometimes we don't take those things for granted, or we take those things for granted. And so that was the moment where I began to wrestle because there was a tension. There was a world that was starting to collide and buried between each other. It was the world of the religion of my parents on this side. And there was the the world and the religion of the church of what I knew from crater roll, primary, junior, you know, you know. So these two worlds started colliding with each other to the reality where I had to figure out who was Jesus in my life. Nothing wrong with the religion of the church. Nothing wrong with the religion of my parents. 
Except one problem, that that was not mine. I had to make that decision for myself and try to figure out, okay, is this Jesus, this character Jesus, is he real? Is he true? Is what they're saying about Jesus making any sense in my life? And so that was the moment when I had to figure that out on my own. And so I decided to say, I decided to do, well, considering my circumstance, I have no mom, no dad. I have one friend, because I was in a strange island. Even there's, I, I'm familiar with Spanish, but their Spanish is totally different. So, like, imagine my 16-year-old self trying to figure this out at this young age. And all that to say, I was just, Lord, I'm going to trust you. I'm going to trust that what they say about you is true, and it's not a lie. So that was where my moment of faith started to come in, because there was no other alternative. It's either depend on God and clean on God, or try to do it on your own. Needless to say, when I was going through that experience, like any college student, I don't know if we have any college students here, or maybe you guys could relate, but I was, I was broke. I didn't have not even 10 cents to claim in my name. And so, what is the most, what is one of the things that college students like? that you can give to them. Food. <laughs> right? Am I right? Yes. So, imagine this scenario. I go to church early in the morning. We sang. We worshiped the Lord. The preacher was amazing. We went through this huge spiritual high. But then I'm there waiting for someone to invite me to their home. Because I'm not just going to approach any person there. I'm, I'm kind of shy. But inside my heart, I'm just desiring, I'm wishing that somebody would say, hey, come along, let's, let's, let's go eat at my house. But then nobody does. And I'm filled with this reality and this hopeless that I have to go back to my dorm room and that's where I'm going to have to figure it out. So luckily for me, I was able to buy a loaf of bread. The problem was that I didn't have enough money to buy the ingredients, and I didn't have enough money to buy condiments to put in my sandwich. So I got to my room, and there where I was, I prayed for my meal. I opened up the first bread. I just folded it, and I ate it. And that was my meal. All that to say two things. Number one, does God change when our struggles and our feelings and things that happen in us, does God change who he is? No, no right? Even though I may be feeling hopeless, God is still with me by my side. Number two, What would it mean 
for me to just conceptualize the gospel and actually practice practice it out and actually live it. What would it mean if somebody would approach me at that church and would have said, hey, do you have somewhere to eat? You don't? Okay, let me invite you to my house. Somebody could have been Jesus to me. And so let's go to our text this morning, which we read, and it's, let me see if this works. Here we go. So it's John 17, verse 3. And it's this. And this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. Question. What is eternal life? It's not a trick question. It's right there. What is eternal life? Knowing Jesus. So I know Jesus equals eternal life. Easy, right? The problem is that we as Christians think that our life is like this. I don't know if your life's like that, but I can tell you that my life's not like that at all. I, I get baptized, I know Jesus, and I want my life to be like this. My life is more like this. <laughs> There's turns, ups, downs, curves. You know it. That's what my life looks like. All that to say this. Oh, I don't know what happened there, but knowledge is a supplement to one's active and dynamic relationship with God. I don't want you to misunderstand what I'm saying here. I'm not saying that knowledge and knowing of God is a bad thing. All I'm saying is that it's a supplement to one's active and dynamic relationship with God. It's my building block. It's my foundation. It's how I get to know more of Jesus. That's all good, right? There's nothing wrong with that. The problem is this. That information does not lead to transformation. If I do something and I just conceptualize it and I have it in my brain, it's all intellectual, it's a, in a cultural sense, it's something that is inside of me, but I don't live it, I don't practice it, it doesn't lead me to a transformation, then it's valueless. That's the problem. So... I don't want you to believe me. There's a famous author by Ellen White that says, To know Christ savingly is to be vitalized by spiritual knowledge to practice His words. Now listen to me. What does it say? Without this, what? All. We can't miss that. Not some. All else is valueless. So what is she saying? She's basically saying, to know Christ is to practice His words. So, I don't want you to misunderstand me this morning. What I'm saying is that being like Jesus is a lifestyle. Without this, I'm not able to see you. I am being honest. With this, I can see clear. So this is the same thing that happens to us as followers of Jesus. 
we see everything through a different lens. Everything that we do, how we live, how we speak to others, is viewed through this lens of actually experiencing Jesus. Otherwise, it's valueless. And check this out. There's another point that I want to show you here. John chapter 6, verse 67 and 69. Because I don't want you to believe me. I want you to believe the words of Jesus. And this is the context, if you turn with me, before we read this text, the context of this, of this passage, this is a very long chapter. But it starts with Jesus feeding the 5,000, then Jesus walking in the water, and then there's Jesus speaking some weird words, some weird teachings, saying something like, I am the bread of life. And it says in the Bible, verse 60, that he was preaching in, in the synagogue in Capernaum, and on hearing it, many of his disciples said, this is hard teaching. Who can accept it? Verse 61. Aware that his disciples were grumbling about this, Jesus said to them, Does this offend you? So this is leading us to the context. So Jesus is walking with his 12 disciples, and as he's walking with his 12 disciples, there's other people surrounding the 12 that are also walking with Jesus. And those disciples were like, Man, whoa! This is like super hard uh, message that you're talking about. So they decided to leave. Now Jesus saw that these people left. He turns around and now he looks at the 12. And he says, do you also want to go away? But Simon Peter answered to him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. And listen to this closely. Do not miss this verse because this verse is the whole enchilada like they say <laughs> 69 also we have to come to believe and know that you are the Christ interesting that the passage would say believe and know so what is Peter really saying here Yes, Jesus, I believe because I have seen the miracles. I have seen the healing. I have seen what you have done. And therefore, I believe because I see it with my two eyes. But then it says something interesting. And it says, and know that you are the Christ. Knowing is different than belief. Knowing is having an experience with God. Like, I know Jesus for a fact that you are the Christ. I have lived it. I have experienced it. I haven't, I'm not just boxing you in. Like, if you were a bending machine, oh, God, I, I want this. Okay, I'm going to plug in the money there. Okay, A1. This is what I want. No. I have an experience. I have an encounter with Jesus. All that to say this. Information does not equal experience. I can know everything about Jesus. I can know of Jesus. But if I don't experience Jesus, 
is valueless. It doesn't mean a thing. If my neighbor is struggling, if I know that I've heard your prayer request this morning, there's people who are suffering, people who have disease, people who are hurting, people who are going through really rough times. If we're not Jesus to them, who is? If, we're, if we know of someone who needs help and we can be Jesus to them, that's really what the gospel is all about. Us being Jesus to others. Experiencing, living it, because that is my 16-year-old self, my 17-year-old self wrestling together and coming to the conclusion that I need to experience Him and I need to live it. It's not just enough to have the intellectual the information, I, I have to live it. Bottom line, that's it. I want to take this to what I call maybe the, the main point of the sermon, which is this. The most important gift we can give to others is our ongoing transformation in Christ. That's it. If you don't remember anything that I said this morning, this is the takeaway message. Because I like the message to be clear. I don't want you to leave this morning without knowing, okay, what did he talk about? This is it. This is it. If I, as a follower of Jesus, can, the gift that I give to others is they see in me my ongoing transformation in Christ. That's the gift that I give to others. Because everybody can be talking about church. Everyone can say good and nice things. But it's different when struggles are coming in, right? It's different when things get tough, right? Am am I the only one? When I have a full bank account, I don't have to worry about money, the economy. I tell you, it's easy to, to follow God. When, when inflation is up to the roof and what I used to pay is not enough now because they hiked the rent, God protect us. I'm telling you, it's not easy. Everything's more expensive. Food is more expensive. So you start thinking about, man, Lord, I think I'm going to have to depend more on you now. Because this is not going to be about me. This is going to be about you. And if you pull me through, it's not, and even if you don't, that's the thing. Because even through my suffering, and even through I was going through my struggle, that builds endurance and builds what? Character and hope and love in Jesus. It's not that Jesus or God will cause that to happen into our lives, but He uses those moments so that our character can be molded to His image. All that I'm saying is, once things get rough and the rough gets going, if we have the experience, it's going to make all the difference in the world. Because it's not just informational. It's not here. It's not a cultural sense. It's something that is real. It's something that we live. And not that something bad is not going to happen to us. Oh, I accepted Jesus. Everything's going to be good at the end. Amen. I'm not saying that. I'm saying that the difference is going to be that we have the hope in Jesus, that we're not alone, that we're not going through that struggle by ourselves. 
We have our brothers and our sisters standing by our side. We have Jesus by our side, and he's making things better. So I, I will say this. Jesus is saying to us this morning, Revelations 3.20, Behold, I am here, and I stand at the door. I am here. I've always been here. Where are you at? I've been waiting to have an encounter with you. I've been pursuing you. I've been wooing you. I've been putting clear signs in front of you. Where are you at? Jesus is calling us to have not an intellectual experience with him. Jesus is calling us to have a real experience with him. Something deeper, something meaningful, something transformational. So brothers and sisters, I hope and my prayer this morning is that we can take this message serious and that we can be transformed by his power in our lives. Let's, let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we are here this morning as a token that we are for real, that we want to be on your side. Our allegiance is with you, Jesus, because you are all in all in our lives. And if we're just beginning in our walk with Jesus, it's okay too, because we gave the first step. We are here in this room, not of coincidence, because we want to have that experience with you. So Lord, even if our faith is like a mustard seed, even if it's so tiny, even if it's so small, I pray, Father, that you will use that so that you can transform our lives, so that we can be more like you, and so that others can see Jesus in us. Help us to be Jesus to others. Help us to be molded more like you. Lord, that is my prayer. And everyone said, Amen.